Eric the Red's Saga Anonymous Read for LibriVox.org By Julian Jameson Chapter 8 When summer was at hand, they discussed about their journey, and made an arrangement. Thorhall, the sportsman, wished to proceed northwards, along Furdustrandir, and off Kjallarnes, and so seek Vinland. But Karlsefni desired to proceed southwards along the land, and away from the east, because the land appeared to him the better the further south he went, and he thought it also more advisable to explore in both directions. Then did Thorhall make ready for his journey out by the islands, and there volunteered for the expedition with him not more than nine men. But with Karlsefni there went the remainder of the company. And one day, when Thorhall was carrying water to his ship, he drank, and recited this verse. The clashers of weapons did say when I came here that I should have the best of drink, though it becomes me not to complain before the common people. Eager god of the war-helmet, I am made to raise the bucket. Wine has not moistened my beard, rather do I kneel at the fountain. Afterwards they put to sea, and Karlsefni accompanied them by the island. Before they hoisted sail, Thorhall recited a verse. Go we back where our countrymen are. Let us make the skilled hawk of the sand-heaven explore the broad ship-courses, while the dauntless rousers of the sword-storm who praise the land and cook whale dwell on Furdustrandir. Then they left, and sailed northwards along Furdustrandir and Kjallarnes, and attempted there to sail against a wind from the west. A gale came upon them, however, and drove them onwards against Ireland, and there were they severely treated, enthralled and beaten. Then Thorhall lost his life. CHAPTER Nine. Karlsefni proceeded southwards along the land, with Snorri and Bjarni and the rest of the company. They journeyed a long while, and until they arrived at a river which came down from the land and fell into a lake, and so on to the sea. There were large islands off the mouth of the river, and they could not come into the river except at high flood-tide. Karlsefni and his people sailed to the mouth of the river, and called the land Hop. There they found fields of wild wheat wherever there were low grounds, and the vine in all places where there was rough rising ground. Every rivulet there was full of fish. They made holes where the land and water joined, and where the tide went highest, and when it ebbed they found halibut in the holes. There was great plenty of wild animals of every form in the wood. They were there half a month, amusing themselves, and not becoming aware of anything. Their cattle they had with them, and early one morning, as they looked around, they beheld nine canoes made of hides, and snout-like staves were being brandished from the boats, and they made a noise like flails, and twisted round in the direction of the sun's motion. Then Karlsefni said, What will this betoken? Snorri answered him, It may be that it is a token of peace. Let us take a white shield and go to meet them. And so they did. Then did they in the canoes row forwards, and showed surprise at them, and came to land. They were short men, ill-looking, with their hair in disorderly fashion on their heads. They were large-eyed and had broad cheeks, and they stayed there a while in astonishment. Afterwards they rowed away to the south, off the headland. 
Chapter 10 They had built their settlements up above the lake, and some of the dwellings were well within the land, but some were near the lake. Now they remained there that winter. They had no snow whatever, and all their cattle went out to graze without keepers. Now when spring began, they beheld one morning early that a fleet of hide canoes was rowing from the south off the headland. So many were they as if the sea were strewn with pieces of charcoal, and there was also the brandishing of staves, as before, from each boat. Then they held shields up, and a market was formed between them, and this people in their purchases preferred red cloth. In exchange they had furs to give, and skins quite grey. They wished also to buy swords and lances, but Karlsefni and Snorri forbade it. They offered for the cloth dark hides, and took in exchange a span long of cloth, and bound it round their heads, and so matters went on for a while. But when the stock of cloth began to grow small, then they split it asunder, so that it was not more than a finger's breadth. The Skrollingar, or Esquimaux, gave for it still quite as much, or more than before. CHAPTER Eleven. Now it came to pass that a bull, which belonged to Karlsefni's people, rushed out of the wood and bellowed loudly at the same time. The Skrullingar, frightened thereat, rushed away to their canoes, and rowed south along the coast. There was then nothing seen of them for three weeks together. When that time was gone by, there was seen approaching from the south a great crowd of Skrullingar boats, coming down upon them like a stream, the staves this time being all brandished in the direction opposite to the sun's motion, and the Skrullingar were all howling loudly. Then took they and bare red shields to meet them. They encountered one another and fought, and there was a great shower of missiles. The Skrullingar had also war-slings, or catapults. Then Karlsefni and Snorri see that the Skrullingar bringing up poles, with a very large ball attached to each, to be compared in size to a sheep's stomach, dark in color, and these flew over Karlsefni's company towards the land, and when they came down they struck the ground with a hideous noise. This produced great terror in Karlsefni and his company, so that their only impulse was to retreat up the country along the river, because it seemed as if crowds of Skrullingar were driving at them from all sides. And they stopped not until they came to certain crags. There they offered them stern resistance. Freythus came out and saw how they were retreating. She called out, why run you away from such worthless creatures, stout men that ye are, when, as seems to me likely, you might slaughter them like so many cattle? Let me but have a weapon, I think I could fight better than any of you. They gave no heed to what she said. Freythis endeavoured to accompany them. Still she soon lagged behind, because she was not well. She went after them into the wood, and the Skrullingar directed their pursuit after her. She came upon a dead man, Thorbrand, Snorri's son, with a flat stone fixed in his head. His sword lay beside him, so she took it up and prepared to defend herself therewith. Then came the Skrullingar upon her. She let down her sark, and struck her breast with the naked sword. At this they were frightened, rushed off to their boats, and fled away. Karlsefni and the rest came up to her and praised her zeal. Two of Karlsefni's men fell, and four of the Skrullingar, notwithstanding they had overpowered them by superior numbers. After that they proceeded to their booths, and began to reflect about the crowd of men which attacked them upon the land. It appeared to them now that the one troop will have been that which came in the boats, and the other troop will have been a delusion of sight. The Skrullingar also found a dead man, 
and his axe lay beside him. One of them struck a stone with it, and broke the axe. It seemed to them good for nothing, as it did not withstand the stone, and they threw it down. End of chapter 11